mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today on American Glutton Podcast, I bring you the one, the only, Ethan Suplee. That's right, there is no guest today. It's just me talking. Let's see how I do talking to myself and you for 90 minutes. It's probably not going to be 90 minutes. I probably could only do 45. But I've gotten a lot of questions over and over and over about what diet a person should do, what diet I'm doing, how much I eat, what I eat, all of these things which I wanted to take a minute and just go into detail about what I do and what I think you should do. So here is that episode. Please welcome Ethan Suplee. Hello and welcome to American Glutton Podcast. I wanted to do an episode where we just talk about diet. I think one of the most common... uh, questions I get is, what diet should I do? What diet should I do is in quotation marks. I I see that question a lot. Or where should I start? I get a lot of questions from people just saying, please help me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that I have found to be true, which I won't say are necessarily universally true or even necessarily scientifically true but things that I've found to be helpful. Some of these things, I mean, hopefully most of them will be scientifically true, but if some of them aren't, then just know that they worked for me and there could possibly be circumstances where there is some scientifically more efficient model to get similar results in a shorter period of time. Albeit, I think that uh, a lot of the times... 
these models don't take preference into account. So what diet should I do? This is a this is a very tricky question because I think I think it it really depends on where you're at to begin with. If you are morbidly obese and by the way morbidly obese even the numbers affixed to that could be different from person to person. If you have a very small frame and you're not very tall, maybe in the high 300s you're morbidly obese whereas you know, you could also be 500 pounds and morbidly obese. So, so if you're morbidly obese, I think it's not the end of the world to do something somewhat more extreme than I would certainly advocate for somebody who's just looking to lose 20 pounds or somebody who's been dieting for a long time or they've already lost 150 pounds and and they've kind of stalled out. I would I would kind of advocate for or suggest or I found workable for myself a less extreme approach later on. I've done a number of very extreme diets and in the beginning when I first started my career as a dieter as a professional dieter the extreme diets worked really well were not too taxing on my life and I had great results and and one of the one of the benefits I think to those great results are that you kind of attain something that you want to hold on to, you know? So I talk a lot about goals and I think goal setting is really important, but I don't know that if you're, if you're 500 pounds, if, if, if the goal of running a marathon is necessarily a a goal, many people are even thinking about, it could be, I at that weight was just thinking about needing to change and losing weight and kind of wanted to lose it really as quickly as possible. I I don't think anybody wants to lose weight slowly. And, uh, the, the, one of the very first things I did was I just asked my, just said to my wife or the girl who, who is my wife now, I said, I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do. I'm just going to do what you tell me. So I think handing that power over to somebody else is, can be, or was for me, super beneficial because I was, you know, had I, had I understood how everything worked, I probably already would have been, um, producing the effects that I wanted to, to create on my body. I would have already been doing it had I known everything there was to know about it. So if, if you're a person out there who's going like, I don't know what to do, Go read a diet book. If you're if you're this kind of a capable person, go read a diet book and just do that diet. And it, it kind of I don't think really matters what diet it is, you know, that then we could get into your preferences. If you're a person who has a proclivity for sweet foods, it, it might not be a bad idea to quit eating sweet foods for a while. It might, uh, if you're, if you're a person who can imagine yourself eating a bunch of meat and getting rid of carbohydrates, then that could be a diet you might have more success on versus just lim- just working out your, your caloric intake. Um, the, the thing with caloric intake that I have found over time in the beginning of Prior to knowing anything and prior to to doing anything, 
in in the in the universe of dieting had somebody said to me you're going to eat exactly the same way we're just going to limit the quantities and you have to be responsible for all of this i don't know that i would have succeeded because i w- i was not in control of myself and my eating habits yet at that point so i found really helpful the idea of reducing my responsibility in that area as much as possible. I wound up on a, on a liquid diet. Um, and you know, it was, a I think it was like three or five protein shakes a day. And, and it was accompanied with, you know, some, I believe fiber pills and maybe some vitamins, you know, I knew I could have a shake every so often and, and a handful of these, uh, I think it was psyllium husk fiber that would at least make me feel like there was something in my stomach. Um, and I lost weight really, really quickly. And that was kind of just the perfect amount of reduction of responsibility. So I wasn't having to go out to dinner. I stopped going out to dinner with friends. I stopped seeing people for meals, which I really wasn't super comfortable doing anyways, going to eat with people at this point. But the the extreme reduction in my responsibility and kind of finding one thing that I could be responsible for, which was just taking these shakes that that I found to be very helpful and I lost a lot of weight and in the course of losing that first chunk of weight gearing up for the next step of the reintroduction of food um it was it was a, a, a an easy progression to the increase of responsibility with food so then I went from just having these shakes to uh you know eating very, uh, I think it was like three shakes a day and and then one meal at night and the meal was very small and it was composed almost entirely of, of protein and vegetables. And so there's an increase of responsibility there. And then the, the more and more I did it, eventually I went and just looked at different diets and was like, okay, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And the ones that I stuck to kind of religiously, I I lost weight at, but there were some that were harder than others. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I do think that yo-yo dieting is real and we can create patterns in our body where we're going to rapidly regain fat at an even faster rate that we than we would have had we gone off our diet in a more logical manner then it's possible that the fat regain would have been mitigated to some degree and then if we do some crash diet and then if it's just this extreme crash diet followed by eating the kind of eating that got us in trouble in the first place or got us to the position that we need or feel we need a crash diet. If that's the cycle, I think that's a really, really bad cycle. I think there's, um, and I've done that. I'm not going to lie to you and say I haven't done that. I've certainly done that. That is one of the things I wish I hadn't done. That is one of the big mistakes that I would just sit here and, and say, you can avoid this trap because it is a trap. So I think that um, there's nothing wrong with reduction diets, 
if if only from the perspective of what can we be what are we truly capable of being responsible for and we think about that and right now if i'm being honest with you i can kind of be responsible for anything i ate a pint of enlightened ice cream last night and it was delicious i I hadn't eaten bread in so long, and I eat almost a loaf of Schmidt 647 bread every day, and it doesn't seem to be a problem for me. I'm still losing weight. I'm well within my macros. I'm hitting all my goals, but had... Had I had this conversation with you five years ago while I was kind of in the middle of my on-again, off-again keto battle, uh, I would have said, no, bread will never be something that's safe for me to to eat. You know, I, I, I would ha- wrap my head around it in a way of thinking of bread as an inert object that was not a food source. It, like, I would equate it with rocks or or wood or something like that. I would really try to think of it as something that wasn't food because there was a long period of my life where I thought that I just had an intolerance to carbohydrates. Um, I've, I've now found that to be not true, but I think there was a point where I was so kind of overwhelmed with not knowing how to eat that it, it required me to get rid of huge sections of food. This doesn't have to be forever, um, but like I'm a sober person. I'm not sitting here thinking one day again, I'm going to drink. Um, you know, I'm kind of just in the moment. I, I don't drink. Uh, I have absolutely no plans on drinking. Um, and I, I highly doubt that there's going to be any TED talk that I watch that convinces me that drinking could be beneficial. But there did happen to be a TED talk that convinced me that I might be more successful with muscle retention if I lowered my fat and increased my carbohydrates and increased my protein. Um, And so when I did that, I discovered that I was more, I was better off in the gym I uh, was not losing uh, lean mass at the same rate, and suddenly my muscles started to show up that um, kind of were shrinking at the same rate as the rest of my body as I dieted. So I I think um, keto is a valid option. I think veganism is a, a valid option. I think these these things ultimately have to line up with your goals, whatever your goals are. Now, there are dudes out there who are bodybuilders who are vegan, um, bodybuilders who are keto. Uh, I've seen um, endurance athletes who follow both these diets. So I know that that's possible. So uh, it it can be, it, it can line up with your goals if if you figure it out the right way. But as far as being at a point where you're in need of help, I see nothing wrong with like a very strict reset to kind of get you in the zone of dieting and then to open that up eventually to kind of a a lifestyle diet that you're going to be able to stick to long term. And if you've never dieted before, 
and you've never gone to the gym or you've not you've not done any kind of like uh, regimented exercise, then you you are set up to have huge, fantastic um, and and almost shockingly immediate results. And then after time, the results will slow down. The the other thing to really, really think about here is um, diet plateaus and, and maintenance periods. If you're doing calories and if you're if you're just thinking about calories in, calories out and you go like, well, as of today, I'm going to calculate my calories and, and I'm going to figure out, OK, to be in a deficit, I can eat 2000 calories a day. Great. How long will that be true? Because if you are in a deficit at 2000 calories and you lose a bunch of weight, you might not be in a deficit anymore. So you kind of have to keep recalculating that. And I'm not saying that has to occur every day, but after some weight loss, it's going to have to occur. Uh, and if you're going to the gym all the time, it's going to have to occur. You're, you're going to have to recalibrate what your calories are. And that kind of state of constant dieting is stressful to your body. I don't think your body's natural inclination is to lose weight. Your body's natural inclination is to eat everything it has access to and to store energy. Uh, the the very simplest terms to put this in is being obese will take decades to kill you. Starving to death can happen in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I mean, again, that is dependent on how much energy your body has stored. But like the average American, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the average American has so much stored energy that that's a bad example. So the average human being could starve to death in a, in a short period of time. So just looking at those two things, what is the human body going to be more inclined to do? to store energy or to or to use stored energy it's going to want to eat whatever it has access to and store energy and and that is just kind of a uh, um a way of protecting itself because i don't think that our bodies necessarily recognize this stored energy or fat as such a bad thing you know if all the food on earth disappeared today. The people who would survive the longest are the fattest people. The, the most overweight people would survive longer. It seems unlikely that that will happen because we seem to have quite a bit of, of food. Like even if you just look at every corner or every gas station in America is filled with calories and, the, and those calories are, are, will last, you know, some of them will last years and years and years if, if unopened. Uh, you know, there's a cheeseburger, I think, in Iceland that's been sitting on a pedestal for six or eight or 10 years, some insane amount of time, and it, it hasn't gone bad. So even if you just think about all of the food McDonald's is prepared to sell just today, um, that could probably feed a lot of people for a long time. So my point is your body doesn't seem to be inclined to weight loss. And so there are certain stressors that 
become more and more evident as we diet longer and longer and longer. So the idea of a diet break, like if you're at a natural plateau, it might be a good idea to take a break from dieting. Now, I've heard about people who, you know, uh, my friend John, who's on Instagram, obese to beast, I believe he just went straight down. I just, uh, he started dieting one day and and he basically just got to where, got to very lean. And then he worked on building some muscle and, and like, he didn't take a bunch of breaks. I believe, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong in that. And that, so that's totally possible. I have found certainly in the latter parts of my diet that not only physically is it helpful to take a maintenance period, but it's also mentally really helpful because if we think about, if I think about what the last 18 years have been, more often than not, it's a very strict diet followed by what would look to anybody else like a relapse, but I just think of it as not dieting. But not dieting is what got me to the point that I needed a diet in the first place. So I diet very strictly. I get to a point where I feel like I've lost enough weight to not diet anymore. And then I eat like a savage and I gain all the weight back and then some. Let's mitigate that. And the diet break is really the way that that is mitigated. If you take that period of time at the end of or, or break up what your diet is, after a couple of months of dieting, take some period of time to increase your calories, not to the point where you'll gain weight, but just to the point where you will maintain your weight and hit a period of time where it could feel like a plateau. But the, the point is to not get, gain weight. The point is to to maintain whatever weight you're at. And maybe you're not at your goal weight and it feels super counterintuitive and you feel like you're wasting time and every day feels uh, strangely not productive. But the reality is, is it's very beneficial to your body. And it's also beneficial mentally, I found for me, because it's putting me in the right mind space that I have to be in at the end of my diet. Like, what is the end goal. And now I think about this kind of stuff a lot. And I think I always have to have some goal. So I'm, I'm still in my weight loss journey right now. Today, I happen to be on maintenance, which means I have a period of time where I'm neither gaining nor losing weight. I'm going to follow that by uh, another round of cutting. Um, then I'll do another maintenance period. Then I'll do a massing period where I try to put on a couple pounds of muscle. And I haven't really thought beyond that. There'll probably be another cut followed following that. And then it might just be that cycling that, um, massing, uh, maintenance, cutting maintenance, massing maintenance. Like it could just be that that could just be the way I live for a long time. And that's okay. Otherwise, if I'm just doing maintenance, then it is just maintenance. And maintenance doesn't mean eating whatever I want. Maintenance is still a diet. It's still. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Basically, the food I eat while I'm on a cut, but slightly more calories. And, and the calories are, are kind of divvied up between fats and carbohydrates because uh, maintenance and cutting and I might increase my my protein for massing, but basically my protein intake is, is about the same for cutting or for maintenance. Um, I'm just protecting muscle in, in both those instances. So if the idea of limiting your responsibility with food seems like the, the best way to become successful, then an elimination diet is, is perfectly fine. Keto, vegan, whatever it is. If you have a huge amount of weight to lose, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, go ahead and do something extreme. There's tons of evidence. I just talked to Mike Matthews, who's a very smart guy, by the way, who talked about a guy who did like a year of water. That's it. Apparently, the dude ate nothing. I, I, I should have asked him that guy's name so we could have um, pointed you guys to him. But I, I'll, I'll look for that. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know much about that guy, and that's certainly nothing I'm recommending. It's nothing I've ever done. But I don't see why it's not true. If he has a ton of stored energy, then there's no reason he can't just subsist on that stored energy. Where should you start? I don't know how to answer that in general terms. I can tell you where I started was uh, giving all the power to somebody else and saying, I, I am failing in this area. Please help me. And I found that to be super valuable. So if you have somebody in your life that you can do that with, that could be helpful, um, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a kid, or a sibling, or a close friend, or somebody you work with. It's got to be somebody who's, who you respect enough to listen to, who you, can, who you can give that power to and say, help, 
I don't know what to do. And, and, and maybe they don't know what to do. And maybe it's going to take the two of you coming up with some plan together. If the idea of limiting your responsibility with food seems like a good way to go, then there are plenty of options. I mean, hell, there's like really extreme. There's like fruitarian options, you know, for people who don't want to kill vegetables. And, and there's carnivore for people who don't want to eat vegetables. Maybe they don't want to kill vegetables either, the carnivores. But there's, there's those, those super extreme elimination diets, which can – Mark Bell just did 100 days of carnivore. The guy ate meat for 100 days. I don't think he lost a lot of muscle. Um, apparently, his strength didn't go down. He felt great. I've talked to uh, a guy, uh, carnivore Mike Foxtrot who has been doing uh, a carnivore diet for a while now, and he also feels great. Like there's tons of people out there doing this kind of thing. Vegans are super advocates for their diet. I think a lot of the times it becomes moral and we're not necessarily dealing with moral issues here right now. Um, Although we could talk about the morality of dieting. Again, I think it really should be, it should be your determination. If, if you feel that you want to make a change in yourself physical, whatever that is, if it's five pounds, 10 pounds, 300 pounds, then there are different avenues for you to take. And, you know, if you've been dieting for a while and you've had plateaus or you've gotten kind of sidetracked and you've been in the weeds, do a reset, do something a little bit extreme just to get yourself back into the the idea of living a regimented life. That's completely fine. Take two or three weeks and do something a little bit more extreme than than necessary and then have a plan for after that or develop a plan while you're doing that that is more of a lifestyle thing that's long term and I would really really advocate for maintenance periods I call them diet breaks sometimes that does not mean that we go back to the behavior that we were taking part in that got us to the place where we needed to change. That means that we just alter what we're doing slightly with the intention of no longer losing weight. That is the point and purpose of a diet break or a maintenance period. It's to kind of give yourself a break. I I I always think of it as at some point, I'm not going to want to diet. How can I do this whatever I'm doing in a way that I don't have to think so much, that I don't have to withhold so much. And I, I would even do it on uh, keto also. There would be there would come a point where, you know, uh, you, you need a break and you take a short period of time. Now, that doesn't mean I'm eating cotton candy and, and you know, uh, M&Ms or whatever it whatever your version of that is. That just means maybe I'm not picking the croutons out of my salad for a week and having a few French fries, just increasing the calories to the point where I'm not going to gain weight, but I'm no longer losing weight. I'm not stressing my body out with the diet anymore. So I think those are all key things. And then setting goals. I think setting goals are really, really valuable. You know, if you're going to do something extreme, maybe give yourself some figure. I want to lose 100 pounds um, doing this extreme thing. And it doesn't have to be exact. Maybe you get to 90 and you go like, okay, we did that. Now we're going to transition onto something less extreme and do that for a while. But the reality is all of this, anything, it's 
it goes away if you don't continue to do it. So there is no diet that you do to then return to the way you're kind of existing now or prior to the diet and expect to maintain whatever you got out of the diet. It, it will go away. It's not like learning to ride a bike, how that will just stay with you forever. Um, this will go away if you don't continue doing it. So, you know, that might not be what you wanted to hear. Uh, the other thing is for those of you who have um, extreme amounts of weight to lose, loose skin is a real thing. Loose skin uh, for all of the people I've spoken to, all of the people I know who have lost a lot of weight have had to deal with loose skin. And when I, when I say had to deal with it, that, you know, to some degree, some of them just have it and it's part of their body. Um, that doesn't mean everybody's getting it cut off or, but, but other than getting it cut off, I've, I've found absolutely zero successful ways at reducing it. I tried, uh, some kind of a salt and seaweed wrap at one point that did nothing. I tried different lotions. They did nothing. Skin is an organ. It's meant to be elastic. It wants to be elastic so that you can store energy for later use. And if it gets stretched out too much over a long period of time, it grows to that size so that it can still be elastic at that bigger size. It kind of goes like, well, this is how big we are now. We need to stay this big and still have the ability to be elastic. So it grows to that size and it doesn't shrink. Now I say it doesn't shrink. Maybe it has shrunk for one or two people. I don't know who they are. I, I don't know how long they were as big as you need to be to grow your skin big either. So I, I don't have that information, but for me and for the people I know who, who were what, what you would consider morbidly obese and then lost weight, we all have loose skin. It's just a part of it. I, I had a uh, skin removal surgery and then gained weight, stretched my skin out again, like a dipshit, and then lost weight again. And so I don't even have taut skin. I have loose skin. You know, whether you have that surgery or don't, that's a personal choice. I wouldn't trade any portion of loose skin for being as big as I was. I, I, it's just a complete no brainer. I am so much happier. Uh, and I was so much happier, even when my skin was even a little bit bigger than it is now, so much happier with less fat than, than having the trade-off of having loose skin. It's, it's, uh, not even a question for me. The other thing I wanted to talk about is scale obsession. I've been completely obsessed with the scale. I think the scale is a good tool to use sparingly. I think over long periods of time, it's very helpful. I think if you're not kind of, uh, if you don't have any mental illness with your weight at all, then you can get on the scale every day. But I think anybody who is tempted to get on the scale every day probably has some psychological issues associated with it. And I would recommend against it. Maybe weigh yourself twice a week and keep tabs on your weight in that way. But uh, water loss, it's not the same as fat loss. You can lose water real quick and you can gain water real quick. Fat loss takes time. And so if you're going to freak out over small fluctuations in the, in the scale, which I have done, uh, maybe you would try to limit your 
time spent on the scale. If you have a plan for how you're going to eat and the number on the scale is going to alter it that day, maybe maybe getting on the scale every day isn't going to be a good idea. But if you if you should be losing weight and over the course of two weeks you're gaining weight, then that is probably also not good. You might need to adjust something. So the scale is a useful tool, but I would not suggest getting on the scale every day. This has been my diet talk. I hope that it was helpful. I hope it answered lots of questions. I think the real key is to figure out what is right for you and what you will have success with, because there is a lot out there that you can do. The the diets all basically work on the same principle that they they limit your energy intake. And by doing that, you lose weight over time. That's how they work. But if you're going to be more successful doing keto, then do keto. If you're going to be more successful uh, being a vegan, then be a vegan. I think all of that is completely valid. And I, I, I don't mind a little reset period. I don't mind doing something slightly extreme. And I wouldn't even say to kickstart dieting because I don't think of it in terms like that. I think of it more in psychological terms of like almost like going to boot camp before you are become a member of the army. Like, you know, you got to show up. And if showing up is just like any other day, maybe you don't show up that day. But if you kind of jolt yourself and and give yourself a kick in the butt by doing something a little bit more extreme for two or three weeks or whatever it is. And by, by a little bit more extreme, I don't mean insanely extreme where you're going to be fainting or anything like that, but maybe you start your dieting by, you know, giving yourself a little bit of a, a mental kickstart. That's uh, I, 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 I have no problem with that. I've done that. It has worked for me. Um, especially coming out of the holidays, uh, I, I have found that to be super useful in like, on, on like a January 1st type of a basis. Like I gotta, I gotta get on this, you know, I thought I was going to start December 26th and I didn't. And so now here we are, um, you know, a couple days later and I'm still not doing, I'm going to do something a little bit tougher just to kind of, um, reorient myself to dieting and then kind of transfer transition into something a little bit less extreme. I hope this was helpful. These are, this is a, just a question I get so much that I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Thank you very much. Now for the Q&A. This question comes from Sarah. Sarah says, with your lifting centric workout regimen, what do you do for joint ligament care? Do you do yoga or some other intensive stretch supplement to keep flexibility? Thank you for the question, Sarah. I don't do any of that. I don't stretch. I don't do yoga. I don't do any of that. And I probably should. What I do is I warm up a little bit. And uh, sometimes I do some cardio to warm up. And then I lift weights. That's pretty much all I do. I am getting older. And I do notice that... Uh, <sighs> I don't necessarily um, bend over quite as uh, efficiently as I might have in my youth, but I don't know that I ever bent over very efficiently. So I don't do that stuff. 
there was a time where somebody recommended some supplement because I kept getting kind of uh, tweaks in my elbows and my shoulders. And I think it was uh, some kind of an oil that I was taking that was supposed to help. I don't know to know that whether it did or not. I do take uh, uh, fish oil, omega-3 fish oils pretty consistently. And that might be what it was that I continued to take. I, I'm not totally sure, but I, I will say I don't do stuff like box jumps because that hurts my knees. I don't do um, insanely heavy deadlifts because that could hurt my my back. Um, I don't do insanely heavy squats because that hurts my knees. So I'm careful about my joints in those ways. I I have an old bicep injury. I had to have my right bicep repaired because I ruptured the tendon. So I I don't even really do very heavy curls. I do pretty pretty um, light curls. Uh, you know, I also think about guys who do too much bicep work and then they just look like small dudes with big biceps. And I think that doesn't look great. So I, I've never really worried about my, um, biceps. God, we've gotten sidetracked onto biceps here. So we're talking about joints. Um, I don't do stretching or yoga. Uh, my wife likes yoga and stretching and I should probably do more of that. And Maybe I will. Thank you for your question, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.